Because I'm a firm believer that what we celebrate, God continues to send. I'm going to say it again. What we celebrate, God continues to send. That's on everything in your life. That's on everything in your life. If you will, please stand with me for the reverence of reading God's Word. I want to preach the most encouraging message to you that you never wanted to hear. We're in our series of different. How many of you have enjoyed the series of different? We're more than likely going to conclude this morning. And um, we've talked about different, uh, the different faith that we have, that we're different in the dark, that there's a different spirit inside of us, the spirit of Christ alive in us. But today, I feel like it would only be fitting to talk to you about how we are called to be different in the face of persecution. Persecution is not a topic that is preached amongst the church. It's not going to be a shout-me-down message. I'm not here for hand claps or handouts, uh, but I want you to know the reality of persecution, talking about it, and also, uh, as we as in the Western church, how good we really got it for now. <clears throat> Can I tell you something that Jesus never promised you to be rich? He never said that you wouldn't be heartbroken. And he never said that you uh, would, would not have rain on your vacation. In other words, what we do find out is there is something he did promise. John 15. John 15 says in verse 18, If this world hates you, keep in mind, they hated me first. And if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world. Somebody say, I'm different. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Woo! My God. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also they obeyed my teaching, then they would obey yours also. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the wind that's on this word. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your spirit that accompanies the word. God, that the Ruach and the Rhema, God, the Logos may go forward, piercing our hearts, empowering, equipping, instructing, and enabling us, God, to do great exploits for you in the face of of difficulty. Father, we thank you for it. We bless your name in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout, I'm different. different. Amen. You may be seated all over the house. This series has been built upon the context of 1 Peter, and and I've said this and shared this. I'm going to continue to share this. 1 Peter is written, it's etched upon the scrolls in a time where they were under extreme uh, evil rulership by a Roman Roman ruler by the name of Nero, who uh, was so obsessed with building when Senate turned down his proposals of the revitalization of Rome, he decided to begin to burn down his own city and destroying buildings. And then when, uh, when, when they came to him, he blamed it on the Christians. And so great persecution began to arise and families that were professing believers were strung out into the street and they were decapitated. They were tied between two horses and horses set in opposite directions and men and women literally ripped in half. They were taken and thrown into hot oil and boiled in hot oil until flesh began to boil off of their bones. They were taken and they were put on crosses. They were taken and they were dipped in wax and soaked in gasoline and hung 
hung in trees that Nero would have parties and they would literally be human candles burning while they would sit around and party under flesh of believers burning in the background. This is a man that killed his mother, killed his first wife and is believed to even killed his second wife. And this is a man that had no regard for life and in his evil dictatorship mentality, he easily began to manipulate and began to persecute and began to arise the persecution against against the church and against believers. He would take believers, whole families, and he had a cage in, in one of his arenas and he would put whole families. Can you imagine Jamie, Kyle, Harper, Adley, and Kai, a family taken because we profess Jesus put in a cage and ravenous wild dogs would be turned loose and you would watch arms and legs be torn off of little innocent children because they were a part of a family of faith. And so often in the church, we think of persecution, we think of that, and we say, well, I'm so thankful for my freedom. Y'all do understand that freedom is not global. You do understand that the pansy, padded pew American church is not the classification of the church. We get mad. I can't believe they didn't shake my hand. I'm being persecuted. I got no mentality for sissies. I don't. When I know that there is men and women in China who are tearing the pages out of a Bible just so that they can go and hide in the underground church and eat of his word. And ours is available on our tablets and on our phones and our Bibles sit dusty on our nightstands and here we don't have time for the word of God. We can't even show up to church. And yet there's countries right now that would love the idea of gathering and assembling under the name of Jesus, but they cannot do it because it is unlawful for them to do so. But here in this series built around the context of 1 Peter, I can tell you that there is one thing that Jesus did promise. If we really follow him, you will be persecuted. I said you will be persecuted. You will be hated. You will be lied on. You will be rejected. You will be talked about. Welcome to Dominion Church where we make everyone feel like somebody. Many believe that the worst decade of Christian persecution is actually the history of this world, and that's not true. I've got some very shocking statistics to give you. Did you know that on this, on this month alone, on average, monthly, Three, over 320 Christians will be killed for their faith. Did you know that just in this month alone, over 200 Christian churches or property will be destroyed for professing the name Jesus? Did you know that there will be over 770 acts of violence, whether it be rape, beatings, tortures, etc., because of the name of Jesus on the life of of believers. Do you understand now how sissified the American church is? We think we've got problems. We poke out our lips because it's too hot in here. And yet 770 people will be raped. They will be beaten. They will be abused because of the profession of faith in the name of Jesus. Do you understand that God never said 
the world would love you. Do you understand that Jesus never said you would be liked and accepted and have 5,000 followers on social media? He did say that you would be hated, that you would be rejected, that you would be lied on, that you would be persecuted, that you would be talked about. Do you understand? But the truth of it is, is we try to avoid those things because culturally we are groomed to not like conflict. Try leading Dominion Church with somebody that does not like to have conflict. My life evolves around conflict. Oh, you pastor that cult, I mean that church down there. Do you know why people don't like Dominion Church? I'll tell you why. It's different. Do you, do you understand what religion does to different? Let's talk about it. Excuse me for a minute. Let me go off the notes. Do you understand that religion was looking for a king coming on a horse adorned with robes of righteousness, probably would have had his, his plates of righteousness, his garments of righteousness, would have come proud and lifted up. But Isaiah prophesied, Behold, O Israel, here comes your king lowly, riding on a donkey. And see, because it didn't come like what religion thought it should look like, religion tried to kill it. When you don't fit the religious mold in a society that is grooming people to be dependent upon it rather than the God of heaven, you will be called different. You will be hated. You will be persecuted. They will try to kill you. Why? Because it doesn't fit your religious mold. It looks different. It sounds different. It's not church as usual. Do you know why, though? Religion, the Bible said it this way. Paul said, in what the law could not fulfill, in that it was weak, Christ did. In other words, what the Old Testament could not fulfill, Jesus came not only to fulfill it, but also to continue on with the greater things of God. And any time that God is looking to do something, he will send something that is different. I'm reminded of a reed in the wilderness being shaken, preaching a message, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's eating locusts and drinking honey. He's clothed in camel hair. He was different, and he went by a name, by the name of John the Baptist, and the Bible said that Jesus said, no man born under woman was greater than John. There's never been a man like him, but he was different. He did not fit the religious mold and religion got mad because they were all showing up at the banks of the Jordan and not in their religious steeples. Y'all ain't ready to skin that cat just yet. And so what we find is that when God wants to do something regional, geographically, in the earth, in the realm of the earth, he will send something that goes against the grain. It causes hearts to be revealed. It'll be something that can't be described. It'll be something that can't be copycatted. It'll be something that doesn't fit a mold. It'll look different, but God will be in it, and God will move through it, and he will make those that speak against it eventually have to testify of the glory of God that is on it.
See, the truth is, is though we have to have a different perspective in persecutions. First Peter 4 and 12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through if it was something strange that was happening to you. Some of you go through trial and you get all surprised. He said, don't. Count it not strange. What if you started to understand this? That conflict was your confirmation. (laughs) What if you weren't looking for the assignment as much as you were the assassination? Ah, my God. Some of you go around looking for the assignment, but God said, I've called you to assassination. I've called you to be stretched out. I've called you to be killed. I've called you to be stoned. I've called you to be marked by my glory. And you're not going to be loved. You're going to be hated. But you're going to flip the tables over of the religious system. And the true worshiper shall arise. And they will worship me in spirit and in truth. Don't be surprised. Surprise. I think it was fitting that Peter says, fiery ordeal. Sadly, I believe he was speaking literal. Mm. It's the only way that some of the believers could describe the last moments of their relationship with their fathers and mothers and sons and daughters was fiery. As children were soaked in gasoline and killed for the name of Jesus, his mommies and daddies were soaked in an ignition fluid to be ignited. Peter says, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He goes on to say, and I'm not going there, but you got to understand there's nothing happening to you that everybody else that's professing Jesus is not already involved in, going in, or coming out of. You're not, you're not isolated. The attack is not isolated. It's against the kingdom. And if you're a citizen of the kingdom, then you're going to suffer the violence of that kingdom. Come on, somebody. See, if you're living fully for Christ, don't be surprised when you face opposition. We cannot be surprised when opposition comes our way. It's much like this. You know, if I was playing soccer, baseball, and, you, you know, you showed up to the game and they're like, that dude right there, man, I'm telling you, he's, he's good. Like, you better watch out. He gets up to the bat. He hits a home run every time. And here I am. I'm sitting on the bench, right? The game's going on, and I'm like, Kai, you know, he's always doing a flip bottle thing. Like the game is going on, and this is this is me. I'm like, mm, man, oh, you know they're they're catching balls and getting out. So, man, mm. and then I'm on my phone, and I'm not engaged. And you showed up, and everyone told you I was a threat. But do you understand that your perception of me? Ooh, this is gonna be good. Is he ain't no threat? Look at him. He's he's not even engaged. He's not even involved. See, but now if you showed up to the game 
And I wasn't even sitting on the bench, but I'm in the, I'm in the dugout and I'm holding on to the fence and I'm, I'm counting the pitches as they're coming in and, and I'm, I'm in the batter's box and while the, the batter's up and I'm, 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 I'm positioning my swing and I'm, I'm watching and, and people are trying to talk to me and you see me pushing them away and, and, and there's, uh, and I ain't got time for nothing but the game. My focus is on the game. And they said, you better watch that guy. I'm telling you, you all of a sudden there would be a stigma. There would be a perception. Yeah, I got to watch him. Look at him. He is, he's in engaged in this game can I tell you that it's often that way in the life of a Christian that there's people right now and the truth is is in your walk with the Lord you're sitting on the bench and you're flipping a bottle and staring at your phone and you're like I ain't got no trouble you know why you ain't got no trouble because you ain't no threat bro But then there's other people here under the sound of my voice. And all of a sudden, you're going through life and you're like, jeez. And then you come back running. You're like, they're shooting at me. See, because what we find out is this walk, it's not a playground. It's a battleground. And those that are a threat will suffer attacks. Don't count it strange when you go through the fiery trial. You can't be surprised by the shots of the enemy. It's because you're a threat. What if the conflict is confirmation of the call? What if you're not looking for assignment but an assassination? That's where, nice putt there on the back nine. Great putt there. Yeah. It's the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear. That often the call on your life will be confirmed by conflict. I know. You watch TBN at 1 o'clock in the morning. Five cars, five houses. Glory to God. 999 people getting 999 anointed cloths with the water and the oil and the mud of the banks of the Jordan smeared upon it. Showing up look like a used piece of toilet paper. You paid $999 for it. It's because men have prostituted the gospel. They took what was not for sale and put a price tag on it. My God, I don't know why I'm preaching it, but I'm going to chase this rabbit just for a little while. I want you to know that what you got, you got it free by the blood of Jesus. You have not been bought with blood and with, with gold and silver, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Can I tell some of you, get in the game. Get on the field. Get out of the dugout. Get out on the battlefield. Do what God has called you to do. Quit allowing conflict to keep you concealed. Don't be surprised by the fiery trials. Don't be surprised by the fiery trial. See, can I tell you something? I'm a firm believer. That when a church gets too inward focused, God allows opposition from the outside to fix its focus. I'm telling you right now that as I was preparing for this message, that's a prophetic word. Mark it, time stamp it. Nine minutes and eight seconds left in the message. At least that's what they think. But go ahead and time stamp this. Watch, watch, watch. Watch. 
that when a church gets too inwardly focused, God will allow opposition from the outside to fix the church's focus again. Backbite, lie, gossip on one another if you want to, but don't be surprised by the fiery trial that'll come to fix your focus. If Peter were writing this message today, he might would adapt it to his audience for today. I can imagine somewhere like Libya where he would say, don't be surprised if someone you know gets beheaded. In Muslim Indonesia, he would say, don't be surprised if your family disowns you for following Christ. To the young girl in America that's going to college, he would say, don't be surprised when, when you don't get the second date and your professor tells you that there is no God. To you, maybe that are seated here today, he would tell you something like, don't be surprised when your family laughs at you at family functions like Thanksgiving and Christmas because you want to ask the blessing on the meal. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you face these trials. First Peter 4 and 12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Now watch verse 13. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all of the world. Wait a second. What? What? Can I speak encouragement to the person on the side of my voice that's going through a fiery trial? He says, don't be surprised by it. Don't be wooed aside by it. Because guess what? Pull up verse 13 again. There is a fruit that is coming from the root. My God, hear me. It says, instead be very glad. You know what some of y'all need to do when they talk about you, when they lie on you, when they talk about your church, when they talk about Apostle Kyle? Some of y'all need to get on and do the clap emoji and say, I'm praising God, glory to God, for these trials are making me a partner with Christ. No student is greater than his teacher if they, if they persecuted him, if they lied on him, if they betrayed him. Why do you think that you are the exception? Watch, though. Watch what happens when we partner with him so that we will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all of the world. Here, let me show you. Slide one. Slide one is the common cycle of most people. No, slide one. That's slide two. Go back. Slide one, please. Thank you. Slide one is the common demeanor of most people, most believers. It first starts off, and this is how the world tells you, hey, pursue comfort. Get a job, job that pays real well, and then, and then get a lot of things and go buy things and live extravagant. You're going to love life. Be promoted. And I'm not speaking against any of this by any means, okay? I'm just telling you, though, what culture tells you. Pursue comfort. But then the next thing, that as you pursue comfort, you will begin to avoid opposition because you want to live comfortably, but the problem is, is when you avoid opposition in accordance to 1 Peter, then your faith begins to weaken. Because if I face opposition for the name of Christ, by the power of Christ, then it said that there would be a joy that would come to me and a glory that would be revealed. So if I live comfortably, then all of a sudden my faith begins to weaken, but then this vicious cycle happens. All of a sudden, life is empty. And so what do you do? 
You go out and buy more things trying to fulfill it. You go out and get another job. You go out and get another husband. You go out and come on somebody. You go out. You go out. You're constantly pursuing comfort because you think you were called to be comfort. You were never called to be comforted. You were called to afflict those that are comfortable in their spiritual world. But slide two, I believe to be some of you that are here today, is you can live boldly. The Bible says, for the righteous are as bold as a lion. Come on, lion of Judah, roar, roar, roar. So if you live boldly, you're going to find out, though, you're going to still face opposition. But here's the thing, you're going to face it. You're not going to avoid it. And if you face opposition, guess what happens? First Peter tells us that our faith strengthens And listen, it may be difficult. You're going to cry some tears. It's not going to be easy. But what you'll find out is that it's through the opposition that becomes opportunity for you to draw closer to God. Let me tell you the worst thing that the enemy can do in my life personally. He can attack me. Because listen, what's going to happen? I'm I'm, I'm just going to tell you straight up what's going to happen. When the enemy attacks me, just like what we saw with Travis earlier in worship, is When he makes my knees buckle, I hit my knees, and then I begin to pray. I begin to worship. Come on, somebody. I'll tell it because none of y'all will. When my life is comfortable, when everything's good, when the marriage is good, when the job is good, when the kids are good, I don't pray near as much as I ought to. When the church is good, I'm not in the word as much as I should be. Come on, somebody. You won't tell it, but I'll tell it. And then what I find out is it's when the attack comes that the opposition becomes opportunity, and all of a sudden I begin to strengthen my faith. Start praying, start fasting, start worshiping. No longer Netflix, now I'm at his feet. I don't want nothing on TV. I want his throne room. I ain't even got time for social media. I want to be in his book. We find that everything that the enemy intends for evil, God turns around for good. And so all of a sudden your faith is strengthened. But then the amazing fruit of that is, is you become closer to Christ. Let's be honest, it's through your hardships, your hard times that you grew closer to God. I know when you first got saved, you were running strong, you were loving God, things were good. But then the problem is, is opposition came. You made a decision, either you're going to follow Jesus and realize it's hard, or you're going to follow Jesus in spite of the hardness. And your faith strengthens, and you grow closer to Christ. 1 Peter 4 and 19. So if you are suffering in a manner, so then those who suffer according to God's will shall commit themselves to the faithful creator and continue to do good. One translation says it this way. He says, so if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God who created you for he will never fail you. I believe that's, yeah, amen. Listen to this. What do you need to do? You need to do what's right and trust God with the results. When you face opposition, when you face difficulty, you'll never go wrong doing right. When you, fa- when you do what's right, you trust God with the results. It doesn't matter. He said, keep doing what's right and trust your lives to God who created you for he will never fail you. Do what's right at work. Do what's right at home. Do what's right with your family. Do what's right with your team. Can I tell you something? Christians shouldn't be people that cut corners. 
Y'all real quiet in here today. See, we don't compromise in our values. We don't shy back. We don't, when things get hard, we don't get an opportunity to quit. There may be a moment of retreat for rest and re-strengthening, but you better believe when we come out, we're coming out swinging. We're coming out to knock the head off the devil that's already been crushed by the foot of Jesus. You better believe that we go forward. We don't compromise. We don't shy away. We don't stop. Things get hard, we pray harder. When things get hard, we fast harder. When things get hard, we seek harder. When things get hard, we knock harder. When things get hard. Can I tell you that people say to me all the time, the world's getting darker and darker. Do you, don't you worry? No, not at all. Why? Why don't I worry? Because can I, I tell you something? Persecution never weakens a church. It always strengthens it. So guess what? A law from the decree of Caesar of America could go out tomorrow. The Christian churches could no longer vote or no longer gather because of their stance against homosexuality in this beautiful month that we're calling Pride Month. It's hate speech. Preachers that stand up in pulpits and talk about homosexuality is a sin and it's all, that's all coming, I'm just telling you. So go, go ahead and get ready for that. That will be, I'm telling you right now, I'll share this, time stamp it again. That will be the Trojan horse that the enemy uses to cr- try to cripple the church of America. Let me, I'm, I'm, man, I'm just going to share this. Y'all get all excited about a $4.5 million building. Y'all get all excited. Oh, God's growing dominion church. What are you going to do when you can't gather there no more and your four and a half million dollars you got to walk away from because the government says that Christians see so yeah yeah y'all put them big boy panties on this morning because we going all the way in what happens when the government says that what you classify yourself as is a hate group I'll tell you what happened some of you are crippled and crumbled just like some other denominations out there that are flying rainbow flags on the churches talking about God is love. God is love. But God's also just. And God is also right. And God is also the just judge. And, and, and he will rule against it with his word. And it's not just homosexuality. It's not. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. That culturally, that is the Trojan horse that the the enemy is going to try to use to cripple the church of America. Mark my words. That if you're a church that stands against it, that we're removing your 501c3, guess what I'm going to say? Have it, bro. Have it. you got to understand, I don't fly under 501c3. I fly under the name of Jesus. He is the supreme... He is the name above all names. And at the the mention of his name, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't need a stinking piece of paperwork. All I need is his anointing. All I need is his spirit. Persecution. It's coming to the church of America. It is coming. I say again, it is coming. It is coming. 
It is coming. Do you know that in, 20, in 2020, there was a pastor that was locked up, Rodney Howard Brown, in, in Florida for having services arrested, mugshot, posted on, on social media because the, the, the sheriff in Florida locked him up for what? Having services. You know what I find out? And I find funny, they are tongue-talking, fire-baptized, devil-slaying church. They are church that moves forward in the spirit and the power of God. They locked him up. Church bailed him out. While he was there a couple days, the church had prayer meetings. They, they fasted. They still had services. What they found out is they can't put the whole church in the jail. You can't lock up this spirit. People ask me all the time, do you worry? Do you worry? No, not at all. Because persecution never weakened the church. It only strengthened it. Do you know that Jesus used persecution to cause this fire to burn and spread all across? Do you know why the church of America happened? Persecution. Do you know why you're able to sit here today? Persecution. Um, I, got, I ain't got time for history lessons, but do you understand uh, the reformation of Martin Luther that went and nailed the theses to the door and he stood for the Protestant church that would not bow the knee to Catholic, Catholicism uh, 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 degrade and, and, and allowing men and women to have Bibles of their own, to read the word of God and hold it to their hearts. Do you understand that, that, that this church, the American church was birthed because there was people that set out to be able to worship God freely and not under not under man and not under a dictatorship. They wanted to worship God freely. Do you understand? That's why it happened. That's why it happened. We're here today because of the fruit of persecution. So no, I don't ever worry. Persecution never weakens the church. It only strengthens it. Can I tell you though, and I'm almost done. One of the things that I think bothers me is it's so easy to claim Christian here in America. What do you mean? We get to say we're Christian and then we get to just live like everybody else. Talk like everybody else. Have attitudes like everybody else. Cuss everybody out all the time. Fuss and fight all the time. Backbite and degrade all the time. Do you understand something that the Bible is very clear? God's calling somebody answer. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Do you understand that the Bible is, listen, I'm not going into the chorus. Y'all chill out. Do you understand, though, that the Bible is very clear that you bless those that persecute you? Oh, but no, 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 not, not, not Christians in America. Mm-mm. No. We block those that persecute us. We lie on those that persecute us. We try to take from those that persecute us. When they slap us in one cheek, you better watch out because we're coming back to punch you in the face. That's the church in America. Can I tell you? Completely contrary to the word of God. Absolutely contrary. If you have the spirit of Christ, you are called to be different. You don't get to act like the world, talk like the world, walk like the world, and do people that do you wrong like the world does. When Jesus came to live in you, he came to make it all different.
First Peter 5 and 7. It says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor and give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. That word cast, you know, you do understand that Peter wrote this, and Peter was a fisherman. So it literally means it's a casting. It's a taking of one weight and transferring it to another place. And that's the amazing thing that Peter tells us to do in the midst of everything we worry about and in the midst of anything that's bothering us today. Peter says, how does he end all of this? How does he end all of this that's going on and he's dealing with families that are hurting and persecution and, and the evil in the land? How does he deal with it? He says, hey, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Stand with me all over the house. Can I tell you this morning that whatever you're worried about, cast it to God. Give it to God. Throw it off of you and on to him. Throw it by prayer. Throw it by praise. Throw it by seeking. Throw it by serving. Throw it by giving. Whatever you are weighed down with, whatever you are burdened with, whatever you are heavy laden with today, the Bible is clear. Cast it. Give it to God. Don't be surprised by what every fiery trial has come against you. But at the end of it, give it to God. That's all you have to do is give it to God. What is it? Is it your finances? Is it a child? Where is this fiery child? Where is this advancement of the enemy in your life? Where is this persecution? Where is this pain? Where is this pressure coming from? Is it a health situation? Is it, is it a stress about something with your job? Is it a stress about a relationship? Is it a stress? Where is this pressure? Where is this fiery trial coming from? I, I, I want you to know it doesn't matter as much as where it's coming from, but where it's going. See, we don't, we don't get to be surprised by what comes. But we do have an absolute response over the way that we react. That's what makes us different. Persecution will come. Trials will come. Fiery furnaces in your life will come. You have no directive over what comes. But you've got every responsibility with what you do with it. Whether it's your words, whether it's your reactions, whether it's just your faith. But Peter says, cast it all on him, for he cares for us. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to say, God, I need you. Lord, I can't do it by myself. God, I need you. I cannot do this by myself. And then what happens? 1 Peter 5 and 11. So after you've suffered... A little while. First Peter 5 and 11. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. Verse 11 says, In all power to Him forever. So what happens after you've suffered for a little while? What happens after you've suffered for a little while? So after you've suffered for a little while, he will restore, support, strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. 
He will restore. He will strengthen. And He will support you and place you on a firm foundation. And then all praise, glory, and honor to Him forever. Every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room. There's no question if you're here this morning on the sound of my voice that you're not without difficulty. That there's not something that you feel like's come against you. I understand that while this room has been often referenced as a room of warriors, you can't have warriors without war. And I understand you can't have soldiers without battle. But I also know that there's people all over this room under the sound of my voice that are fighting battles they've told nobody about, facing situations that they haven't had the release or the ability to share with anybody or the confidentiality. I understand that there's people all under the sound of my voice right now that you were doing everything right. You had no, you had no uh, responsibility for what came to you. The attack just came. And to you this morning, I want to tell you, you maybe had no responsibility with what came, but you've got every responsibility with how you react. We're called to be different in the persecution. We're called to bless those that persecute us, to give to those that try to take from us. We're called to love those who hate us. We're called to go beyond Ephesians 3.20 exceedingly and abundantly, far more than the person could ever ask, think, or imagine. Because when you do these things, People expect us to react like the world reacts. But when we react differently, your difference will challenge them. It'll cause people to seek their heart and say, God, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have posted that. Maybe I shouldn't have made that call. Maybe I shouldn't have told that person that thing. God, forgive me. See, because ultimately we're called to the ministry of reconciliation. That's a message coming. You don't get to walk in reconciliation and not be a minister of it. You're called to fix things, not break things. We're called to be different. If you're here this morning and you just want somebody to help you pick this thing up that's heavy and help you cast it, would you come to this altar right now? I'm going to ask our pastors to come. If you're carrying something and it's heavy, come right now. Come. If you're here, come. Come. Thank you. Come. 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 You're carrying something. You maybe haven't told anybody what it is. It's a trial. It's a pressure. It's a hurt. It's a pain. It's a difficulty. It's a it's an adversity. It's a it's a it's a problem. It's a persecution. Whatever it is, would you come? You have no responsibility for what came, but you got every responsibility for what you do with it. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you.